When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. G'day and welcome to the Spirit of Sport on Sydney's newest home of sport, 1170 SEN. I'm your host, Jason Stevens. So glad you could join us for tonight because my special guest is a really good man. He's former Canberra Raider Alan Tung. He had a career spanning over 10 years and he played all of his 220 NRL games for the mighty green machine. That's rare. He sits seventh for most games for the club, which is outstanding. He's been Dally M Lock and Captain of the Year. Extremely well-deserved too, I might add. And post-footy, he's led an interesting life. He's become an important figure in the NRL and Canberra community where his charity and youth work play a crucial role. He founded the Mentoring Through Fitness program that empowers and motivates young people to better their lives. And I tell you, his work with mentoring juvenile offenders and combating family violence even resulted in him being named ACT's 2017 Australian of the Year. I've got to say, I don't feel too good about myself at the moment now. It's looking at all these accomplishments. <laughs> I'm very excited to have him on the show. Alan Tung, uh, welcome to the Spirit of Sport. Thanks, mate. Uh, uh, thanks so much. Don't worry about that at all. You made me, uh, made me probably look good there with all that, uh, that really kind introduction. So thank you so much for having me. No, no. Well, you know what? As a, um, a, a, a former competitor, you know, uh, every time, and I didn't really know you, I know we played against each other, but, but every time, like, we, your name would come up. There was there was never anyone who said it. It was always positive. It was always, oh, he's, mate, he's just, you know, work ethic, team player, like, um, you know, leadership, concern for the club. And it was just, oh, it was always great, mate. It was always great. So, uh, you know, you, you've um, you've really led a strong uh, life, but not only on, on the field, but off the field, which we'll get into a little bit later. But before we do, we have a few getting to know you type questions, if that's okay. So whatever Fantastic. comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Tungy, what was your first concert? Oh, a rock set. Rock set uh, <laughs> down, at, <laughs> down in Newcastle. Uh, so there you go. I grew up just outside of uh, just outside of Tamworth. And I remember going there. I must have been about, I don't know, 14 or something like that, getting taken down there. But uh, there you go. Rock set. I tell you, I had Rick Astley as one of my first. <laughs> so I never thought anyone would beat it. I've got it. What about your first job? Uh, stack and hay. Um, carting hay around our district. Yeah, been out in a rural area. I used to, to stack hay for 10 bucks an hour for the neighbours. Most embarrassing moment. Oh, probably giving away my mum's surprise 40th um, was something that I still, every time, oh, I just turned 40 this year and I, I remember back and reflect on the time where I, I gave the big secret away for the um, the surprise birthday party and, um, yeah, in front of a, a few important people. But anyway, that's, uh, we live and we learn. <laughs> Favourite movie? 
Um, I watched it again only the other night, um, The Notebook. I love that movie. Oh, I wow. Love it. You've got to be in an emotional yeah. state for that, mate. That wrecks me, that movie. <laughs> it I, certainly I, does. <laughs> It's just, I, I've watched it once and it's one of those ones that I just go, oh, do I want to, it's so good, but do I want to put myself through the, the emotion? Yeah, it's not, something, it's not something you can watch too often. I think it's probably been about six or eight years since I watched it. So it's been great. Yeah. What, do you have a pet hate? Um, oh, I mean, technology is a big thing with me. I've got teenage daughters, a couple of teenage daughters at the moment. And as much as I you know, need to embrace it a bit with my work and that, I do... You know, I think it is one of the, you know, parts of evil in our lives is the, the technology and the different things that they use. So I'm always telling my kids, get off the phones, get off this, get off mm. that, turn that TV off. So it is a bit of a challenge. Do you have the, uh, any rules around it, like a dinner and, yeah. and so forth? Oh, I, uh, yeah, there, the there's plenty. <laughs> no, well, I, I have plenty and I keep, I keep um, you know, talking to my children all the time. And I mean, I go back, I'm so blessed to have footy in my life, but... You know, I say, they're not rules, they're standards. And you know, they say, you know what, but my friends have this, my friends have that, my father, that's okay, but these are the standards in this house. And so, yeah, we try and, um, you know, the kids, you know, take them to school on the buses and whatnot, but they, they get a they get a bit of time on it in the afternoon, but as soon as it's dinner time, that's all she wrote. So when they're off, not allowed in their rooms. And, um, you know, so I think, you know, with my work with young people as well, I, I see some real challenges. I know there's some great mm-hmm. things of keeping us connected and everything like that, but mm. there is some real challenges, um, you know, needing to get away from it and you know, lose a bit of their creativity to kids, I think, when they just get stuck in, you know, in front of a device or whatnot. Um, so I'm a big believer in being outside and exploring. And, um, you know, I'm fortunate to live on a few acres as well with some animals and different things. So we've got to make the most of that opportunity. Oh, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, I... I I haven't crossed that stage. I've only got a two month, two year old, and uh, obviously haven't crossed that stage. But it is something that I've, I'm already asking people their advice on uh, because I see it impact so many young people. And I've got to say, mostly for the negative, mostly because it, a lot of the stuff sets up a a comparison that's not real, and you find yourself. Continu- I mean, comparison is the thief of joy, you know. And every time we compare and you and I a bit more you know obviously we're older and we're able to to handle uh maybe because of our emotional Mm. intelligence make things differently but even for us it's it's a challenge if you're on there and and you know you're continually seeing um you know success and so forth in this this um world that's not real but it's harder when you're younger obviously to to manage your emotions and to to get a grip on that so yeah yeah it must be You're absolutely choice. right. Mm. It certainly is, and you know, to be to be brutally honest, like even through the the COVID period when um, you know, I had all four kids at home and I was homeschooling them, um, and I remember getting there overnight or whatever, and you'd scroll through and you'd see some things, and I'd look around at different people and how much fun they're having and all this, and it was an absolute nightmare in my place. We were just it was all over the shop, and I was I was just getting so down on myself, and I just went, you know what? I'm just shutting all of this off. I'm just I, I, I deleted all the apps and different things, and I thought, you know what? I was getting caught up in it, like mm. thinking, what, what, why have they got all of this, and I'm having so much challenge at home here, and it's not working out for me. And anyway, it's um, it's it, and that's with somebody who has had some experience of the ups and downs and different right. things, like you mentioned that's there. Right. So yeah. imagine what it's like on a young person's life. It is really, it's a real juggle. A person from history you'd like to have met. Um, 
Well, looking back, I'm, I'm thinking um, I'm thinking back in some of the, the earlier days in some of the footballers and back that come back through our club. And, mm. um, you know, Nana Grant, one of the original captains of the Raiders, and they talk about him coming down and, you know, being able to know uh, some of those people back in the day. Nana passed away. But, yeah, um, you know, those sort of guys. Um, I, I mean, I did get to know... Um, my my dad's dad grandfather, but he he passed away quite young. Um, and I would have loved to have, I, I you know, I, I have two or three memories sort of thing. I was so young when I was at, but I would have really have loved to, um, you know, it's probably the original pioneer of getting the land that my mum and dad and I grew up with, and the land and those sort of stories to mm. get a greater connection there would have been something that, um, yeah, I would have loved. And also my nan, my mum's mum, yeah, my my greatest inspiration in my life isn't a footballer, it's actually my mother. And um, my mum's mum, um, apparently they were, they were cut from the same cloth and just a wonderful human being, but it's the same thing. She passed away from cancer when I was quite young and I only have a couple of, you know, really glimpses in my mind of that. And, um, oh. you know, everybody that you talk to, um, you know, speaks so, so highly um, of her and the love and the care that she had for people around her. And I would have just loved to have experienced that, um, you know, in my life. But um, hopefully we'll be together again one day. You will, you will. How, how do you think mm. that impacted you um, growing up? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, probably with both my dad's dad and my mum's mum, because it happened quite young, I think, was you, you never really – knew what it was like in a roundabout way. And I think it was only as we got a bit older. So I don't think that was, um, yeah, it didn't, you know, affect me too much. But I think now that my children and, um, you know, my children are blessed to have, you know, both their sets of grandparents and to see that connection that they're able to have from them. Um, And it's a different, uh, it's so, so important. And, um, you know, it's a love and it's a patience on a different level. Um, which is something that's really unique. And, you know, our, our family unit is so important in, in children's lives. And, you know, we see a lot of young people that come up from broken homes that don't have, you know, extended family and different things around them. And I, I'm still, you know, I live close to Canberra, not far out of Canberra sort of thing, but we, we're away from family and we don't get our grandparents as much, but I just know the influence and how important it was. So not to have mm. part of that um, was was you know, really challenging. There's certainly people that I would have loved to have, have known more. Um, not so much, you know, people have, you know, famous and done all these great things, mm. just people that had a big part in my family. That's beautiful. Uh, something you wish you were better at? Um, well, probably <laughs> in and around this at the moment with a bit of, bit of schoolwork um, and stuff like that, trying to help my teenage daughters with some of the stuff that they're learning at school at the moment. Um, has it, has <laughs> and technology. It's changed a lot. Changed a lot oh, right oh, mate, it is, it is, <laughs> unbe- it is unbelievable. I'm, I'm, it's actually, it feels like I've gone back to school, to tell you the truth, really? trying to, uh, to help out. And you know what, that's, it's, it's what we've been dealt. And, um, yeah, uh, we, we've yeah just just getting into all of that. So I think you know those sort of things is um, yeah I feel a little bit behind the eight ball. You know I grew up as a bush kid and I didn't we didn't have I didn't even have a computer game or anything like that when I was growing up. So it was um, yeah just the different things getting used to. I'm, I'm really fortunate I suppose with my work I've had to be upskilled to be able to do that. Um, 
And so just just getting your head around all of that, I think, is, has been a bit of a challenge. I've got to admit, I thought you were going to say dancing because one of the old boys I spoke to said he's just – he rates himself as a dancer, but he can, he's oh disgraceful. God. He's edited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true too. But I don't have I don't have to do it too often, which is good. <laughs> what's, what's the thing you did growing up that make made your parents the most upset? Um, oh, geez, I'm not not too sure actually. The truth, I remember I remember as a young kid, um, and I tell the story all the time that. Everywhere I went, I had a footy in my hand, and I was always kicking the footy around and, you know, busting a few windows and different things and, and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, my, my parents I probably used to get in a bit of strife around that, uh, you know, always, you know, playing footy or kicking footy or wasting time, they'd probably think. But, um, you know, there's that. no doubt as I got a bit older and I probably challenged their ways a little bit more and, um, you know, with the mates and doing different things as we do at the back end of high school, that would have probably given them a little bit of grief as well, don't worry. <laughs> the biggest thing you've been nervous about? Um. My, my children, you know, going into that stage in their lives now, and especially as they and they get a bit older, and um, you know, starting to have their own relationships, and and what's what's around the corner for them. I do, I do get, I suppose, nervous and and worried about, you know. Even even the things like you know driving a car and buying their own house one day and how they're going to be able to afford that those sort of things is what probably um, yeah gives me sort of a, I suppose a little bit of nervousness about what's around the corner for them. What's a lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? Um, probably alcohol. Probably alcohol has been a um, you know I grew up in in a family where my pop and my uncle um, were both really close. My mum and um, dad, they share farmed property with my, my dad's brother and also my pop, you know, spent a fair bit of time and lived with us for different things and they were both alcoholics and probably just that that whole, you know, and we grew up and, and you know what it's like in a footy um, culture as well that, you know, we celebrated success with alcohol and mm. when things didn't go wrong, we, you know, we used alcohol and, um, you know, those those sort of challenges and, you know, well, I still like, you know, a drink, I like a glass of wine and different things, but I think just still that, you know, throughout, I mean, I'm much better now sort of thing, but I think throughout my footy days and different things, I wish I just, you know, had it been, yeah, just stronger and smarter throughout some of those times. Oh, thanks for for sharing that. And it's a it's a struggle a lot of people sort of um, you know face. And I think a lot a lot of the times, um, you know, we, we what we see we do. And sometimes you know when it's it's in the culture of your family and so forth. It's funny coming from my family, which is I got Greek Italian descent and bits of everything else as well. And uh, it, so in 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 those in those European type families, they they. They don't make alcohol taboo, and they give even at you know it's offered at a young age. But even just snippets of wine, and they teach you that it's not that in moderation that it can be enjoyed. It's it's very different to a lot of the the, the cultural way um, here, you know, because it's because it's like you can't have it until this age, and then as soon as you get to that age, it's like. You can, you can okay. obviously you yep. can educate as, as much as you can, but yeah, it's a very different, very different um, mm. culture. And I, I like the way they do it um, overseas because then you take the sting out of the 
out of you know when it's when something's forbidden you want it more do you know what i mean you want you really yeah. want to want to yeah, go for yeah. it. but uh, you mentioned tamworth are you just outside of tamworth as a kid um what, what what was that like? Did you grow up? You grew up on a property alongside your two brothers. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So the little community I grew up in is Loomba, which is um, yeah, it's about yeah, only about twenty twenty five minutes southeast of Tamworth. Mum um, and dad, um, you know, been there their whole lives in and around the region, and um, yeah, it was going into third, fourth generation farming now they've been in that area so sort of a bit over a hundred years now and um, wow. it was it was a really it was a really great um, way to grow up there was, we had cattle we had sheep we had pigs we had loose and hay we you know a lot of our weekends were spent um, you know fishing or shooting or hunting and different things like that um, playing footy always we always played footy played heaps of tennis tennis was really big in the community I grew up in um, so we you know, sport was, um, you know, a big part of our upbringing and um, only about 200 metres from where we where our house, where I grew up, um, Little Anglican Church, St Luke's Church, um, on the corner across the road from the, the hall, which is a war memorial hall. And, um, you know, there was you know, mum and dad both heavily involved in the community, whether it be bushfire with the church or with the rural youth clubs, with the bush dance, you know, the show society with camp drafting and different things like that. So we, we were always invested um, in our community and um, it was, uh, it was, it was a really um, good, it was, it was a tough upbringing. I, I continually tell that to my kids as, um, as much as it was, you know, I, I appreciate it and blessed that it was, it was a family farm that we all had to hook in. We, as soon as you could lift a bale of hay from whatever age that was, you lifted. Whatever time you could lift a bucket of feed to throw the pigs, you were you did that. And we, we we look back on it, and I don't think you know. No doubt, I would have winced and moaned throughout the time, but it was just it was what was expected. And I don't. There was a lot of kids around the area doing the same sort of thing, and you didn't really think anything different of it. But you know, we used to stack hay during the night, and used, when we used to make hay and stack it onto the trailers during the night, yeah, you know, three four hours during the night and then you go and you might have a, an hour or two camp and then jump back on the school bus and go to school and wow. um, it was just the, it was just the way that um, yeah we, we just we grew up and it was it was tough and it was fun um, it was probably a little bit dangerous but you know you had to apply a fair bit of common sense and we all survived thank goodness and um, yeah but the lessons that uh, yeah and when I, th- I think when that was actually taken away from me and I come down and lived in the city. My, my connection to the land is something that actually is so so important to me in my life. And I just mentioned before that I have a few acres now. I bought a few acres on the edge of town and um, it was so, it was almost like a bit of, um, it was connection and healing and, and coming back and being back on the land and having animals and that part of my childhood that, you know, I left to chase that dream and being able to sort of bring them and combine them two together has been it's been really special. It's been hard because I, I bought the worst house in the street as you do and trying to get in and plenty of work ahead of me but mm. um, we've, we've been here five years now and we've, we've turned a bit of a corner and you can see some of the progress And but it's been, been good I mean we went through three years of drought too and it's, wow. it's I mean, it's it's been it's been hard, and and I don't rely on the land for income or anything. But it's been really great lesson for our kids. You know, we had a few cows and different things. We had to sell all of them. We had nothing and no water, and and it was you know we were paying for water to be um, trucked in and different things. But 
it gave us a greater appreciation. You know, when I tell the kids to hop out of our shower because we're wasting too much water, it, mm. they, put, they can put a, they can actually, you know, put a, um, I suppose a concrete message around that. They see the water cut truck coming in and handing over the money to buy for the water and different things. So it's been a great, um, yeah, opportunity for us to pass on those lessons and for me to reconnect with childhood. That's so great, man. I know. I think I, I, a few years ago, I met um, a farmer from uh, out Orange Way, and um, and he he'd pretty much lost everything during. Mm. The, he'd lost everything, and that was his sole sort of income. Mm-hmm. And and the government were you know trying to find ways to help and and so forth. But um, oh mate, the I, the conversation I had was with him was just it was just mm-hmm. so so heartbreaking because you know. Like yourself, from young, that that's all. That's well, a little bit different. That's all he knew, and that's all he ever wanted to do. And and uh, you know, you work your butt off for so long, and then to get to a place where it's worth nothing, you know, yeah. it was a real empathy for our farmers. And and uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a real journey in this country because it's such a sunburnt country. You know, to uh, yeah. it's a great country, but. It has its challenges as as of recently. You know, it's been a it's been a real challenge. I I, I just wanted to ask you just to digress a little bit because you reminded me when you're talking about on the farm and Brad Thorne, who I interviewed earlier on. He he also grew up on a farm in New Zealand, and um, you're mentioning all the animals on your farm. But he used to um, he used to headbutt rams and like and he, <laughs> and he wasn't kidding because I started laughing. And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> and, go, and have it you and I having a um, having tr- tried to tackle that guy can just test it. <laughs> he, he probably headbutted me a couple of times. Oh, yeah. wasn't, wasn't he a monster to pull down? He was an oh, absolute Well, I um I, I had to shear them, but I never had to uh, never had tried headbutting. Them, but, uh, <laughs> but that was by his own choice too. That was just he wanted to show how tough he was. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Thorny and the and the Broncos, you were on a scholarship with the Broncos from years ten to twelve. Um, so, so how, what was that process like? And then, how did you manage to sign with the Raiders? Yeah, so I, I um, just through my high school, I went to Farah Agricultural High School, which is just on the edge of Tamworth. There, they had a um, a connection. It was almost a bit like one of their country feeder schools. Um, the Broncos had a fair few, um, you know, regions that they looked after, but they had a connection with Sarah and there was a couple of guys, um, you know, that had been up to the Broncos previously and Cyril Connell, one of the great scouts, um, um, had, had picked us out of the system. And so I used to, um, yeah, go up to pre-season camps uh, during year 10, 11 and 12 and, and do some stuff and they kept an eye on us and helped us with some, you know, sending down some gear and the different things that they used to do. But then um, at the end of year 12, I, I made the Aussie schoolboys. Um, we, we toured over to New Zealand and um, a couple more clubs um, became interested and one was the Raiders. Um, St. George actually had, had showed some interest and, and the Broncos and we had... Um, you know, went and had a bit of a look about at each of the facilities and, and the coaches and different things involved. And um, I was really close. We'd, we'd actually, um, just in that short amount of time over those few years and, um, you know, got to know Wayne a little bit. And he's such a, you know, a great people person. And mm-hmm. um, and I came down to Canberra and Dad and I um, flew down actually and we had a bit of a look about and we went to a game and then after the game we went to just a, a local um, hotel down here, a pub here and it was cook your own steak and we were cooking and the players were there and I just went, you know what, it just felt 
like a big country town. Mm. And and I actually had my mum's sister lives not far out of Brisbane, and I had a bit more connection. I had some old people I knew up in Brisbane, and I didn't have anybody in Canberra. And um, but it just it felt right, and and so I I made the decision. I just said I'm, I'm going to go to Canberra. Um, not I didn't know of anybody else um, that had been down here before me from my area or whatever it was. It was a bit of a leap of faith, and. Wow. Um, a couple of the guys that I played with in the Aussie schoolboys, um, a couple of country boys, actually, they were going to Canberra as well. So, that, I mean, there was a little bit of a connection there. Um, but I packed up at the end of um, at the end of school and jumped in the car. Mum come down with me. We had it loaded up, 987XF Ford Falcon, and we jumped in and off we went. And um, I've been here pretty much ever since. It's um, Yeah, I've been in Canberra, so it's been... Um, uh, yeah, that's that's as simple as it was. It was just it felt like it was right, and so I just backed my gut instinct. Pretty good to uh, have, obviously, those clubs because Canberra, Brisbane Saints, who you mentioned, they were powerhouse clubs of, of the nineties. And what, what were some of your earliest memories of training at the Raiders? Because I I noticed that uh, your f- former hooker uh, Simon Wolford, great player, uh, great bloke, he said your training methods were very, very, very intense. <laughs> no, yeah, it was. It was really, it was old school. I mean, Alex Corvo was the head strength and conditioner. Uh, oh, you know, Michael Michael Maguire was, um, you know, coming into his coaching and he was a part of the reserve grade system. Mick Hagan was there as well. And um, they they were in that, you know, style that, you know, we, we trained hard. We played hard and, and probably partied hard too, don't worry. But we, you know, we were, it was old school and we, we trained really, really hard. And, um, um, I think the Raiders, ever since they came into the competition, you know, they were they were always renowned as a club that, you know, really, really trained hard and um, they were a bit of the battlers, I suppose. Um, and and that was that was my early days is, you know, we, we really ripped in and, and um, we prided ourselves on that. We might have had the greatest of facilities there, especially at the start. We were, you know, mixing between ovals and different things and didn't have our home base so much with the gym. We were at a local gym, but, you know, we, we did, we trained really, really hard and it was great. I, I mean, it was, was awesome. Um, you know, in the early um, time I played in the under-19s, um, which was fantastic. I actually got the captain the 19 side as well, which was great. I played half a dozen games or, or more in the first year in reserve grade. And I started the year in 2000 in reserve grade there and um, and then got, to, got the debut um, that year and played, I think it was, 20-odd games um, in, in first grade in that year. So it was a really a quick sort of transition, which was really good. But I remember running around. We were at Woden one day doing these, um, you know, I think we were doing one-kilometre runs around, you know, our little time trial runs. And, and Laurie had actually come back to train. It was his final season. We didn't know at the time. But he'd come to train with the younger guys of his 20s mixed in with reserve grader. And I remember running alongside him. I was just trying to run close to him. Just I, I wanted to touch him, you know. I was thinking, how good is this? You know what I mean? I, I've been watching this guy, and I'm getting the train alongside him. It was just, Isn't oh, mate, it was, so, it was so good. Isn't that amazing when that happens? I mean, I got to play against my idol, uh, Brett Kenny. Um, yeah. And when I, when I used to go to, because Parramatta played at Belmore Oval for a fair bit while the, while the new stadium was yeah. getting built, and we'd just watch him warm up. And once I'd... I'd I went up and just touched his shorts. Like, I just went to touch it. I was like, and to fast forward, you know, X amount of years and you're actually playing against that bloke, it's just, 
you know, dreams come true in rugby league. It's why it's, why it's just, just such an amazing game and what it can do yeah. for young people, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. It is. It, it provides so much inspiration, hope, and, you know, you just admire these guys. And, I mean, another guy that I, I you know, was so blessed to have in our squad too was Ruben Wicky. Now, Ruben is just, you know, what a, what a competitor he oh, is. Yeah. But then... But then you meet the guy and he treats you like, you know, you're his brother, like he's your family and, you know, different things. And it's just such a, such a, um, yeah, great, great little experience to be a part of. And, you know, to be able to watching it from, you know, I remember watching the 1989 grand final and the next door neighbours place some farmers just up the road and I'm watching this and then all of a sudden I'm getting to train alongside these guys and then play alongside them. It was just, it was, it was so good. Recently, I've, I've reconnected with Paul Osborne, who's moved into the area, and he keeps sending me footage from that game. From that <laughs> I'm talking almost daily. Oh, <laughs> it, was his, it was his young boy's uh, fourth birthday on the weekend, and and um, I, in, in the in the kitchen, I stepped on a piece of metal, and and I went, "Oh, mate, this is this is yours." And he goes, and he picked it up, and he goes, "Oh," and he shined it. It was his grand final medal. <laughs> he put it there on, he put it there on purpose. <laughs> oh, gee, he's, he's still living in the glory days, but he was just like, <laughs> hang on to it as long as you can, eh? But um, you know, talking about dreams come true. I mean, you, you won Dallium Lock of the Year, same year Dallium Captain of the Year. I got to say, for for a guy your size, you weren't. I mean, you you gave everything in training and and so forth. You weren't naturally. I'd, a monster, do you know what I mean? Compared to some of those people that you, you know, you look at some of those Canberra locks of Clyde and so forth, and big, mm. big, huge men, and you played above, way above your weight. Um, did you ever get the feeling that you would, you had to always sort of prove people wrong throughout your career, or, or you know, because that to become in the same year, Dallium Lock and Captain of the Year, that's I mean, that's dream come true stuff, really. Johnny, let's find out who was uh, the Captain of the Year. A very worthy captain and a fellow who thoroughly deserves this, Mr. Alan Tung. Congratulations. Uh, what a season this has been. It just keeps getting better, hey? Yeah, that's right. And hopefully it keeps improving on uh, Saturday night. After the win against the Bulldogs on Sunday, which confirmed your place uh, outside, I guess, of the bottom two in the top eight, that sixth place was very important. You said, instead of taking it one game at a time, you broke with rugby league tradition and said, I've allowed myself to dream a little bit of what it might be like to make a run at the title. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you hear, you know, just from John and what he talks about, you know, this is, uh, you know, that's what the game's about. It's been a young kid. It's dream. It's want to, wanting to win a premiership. And I'm no other, even though I'm lucky enough to play in the NRL, I, I still dream. And uh, we still do take it. need to take it one game at a time. And it starts on Saturday night. It does. Uh, you've won seven of your last ten. Uh, you've wowed them with the way the team's played in 2008. It must be fun being on the field out there, the way you're playing at the moment. Yeah, that's right. It's a, you know, it's a great club to be a captain of. Um, we, we enjoy each other's company. 
you know, on and off the field. And uh, you know, when we when we get our um, you know heads right and we play some good footy, it's it's certainly fun to be a part of. And uh, you know, I'm enjoying it. And I you know, I love the club very much, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. Well, what's your theory on what makes a good captain? Do you think much about it, or is it more a, a matter of speaking with your actions rather than your words? Yeah, that's right. I think. It, that's definitely on and off the field. Your actions, uh, you know, need to speak for themselves. And you know, I don't ask anything of the other players that I, I wouldn't do myself. So, uh, and it's something that, uh, you know, I think it's really easy to do because you know I love playing footy and um, you know I love turning up the train every day. Can you get the Sharks this Saturday night? I think we can. Um, you know, and there's a belief amongst the the players and, and the coaching staff, and that's all that matters. Congratulations on being the M Captain of the Year, Alan Tung. Yeah, I mean, right throughout my childhood, I'm ne- I was never the, the biggest, I'm not even the most skillful and um, different player right throughout. But, you know, I did pride myself on working really hard and, and being, you know, the fittest um, that I could be to be able to give, you know, what I could to the game. And um, it was, it, you know, an amazing little journey. There were people that, that doubted to me. I think the biggest test for me and, I learned I needed to prove it to myself. And I think even looking, and I remember, and I share this in my programs and that that I do, is that I remember looking and it's almost like social media now, but I'd be looking, oh, geez, I wish I could do that. Geez, I wish I could do that. Or, oh, man, if I, could, if I was just a bit quicker here or I was a bit bigger here and whatever it was. But I sort of changed a bit of my mindset and I, I did a little activity, actually, and it was with Dave Ferner, who was assistant coach at the time. And... I, did, I set some goals for the year, like you know, coaches asked you to do, and my goal was to be the player that other people want to play alongside. And the coach said, you know, that's a fantastic goal, but how are you going to live out? What's some action? And it was, it's good, because sometimes we write down the words, mm. and that, that's the easy bit, but what are, what are some daily actions that you can put behind it? And what I did, I sat down with Fernsey, and, and we went through some video um, of different, and what I did, I went away and I watched all of the players, and I just wrote down one thing that I could do for them on the weekend. Like, it wasn't what they could do for me, it's what I could do for them. Wow. And I went around and I wrote it all out. And, you know, Clint Skoski was our fullback and, you know, what, what could I do for him? Well, I could put heaps of pressure on that, that, that half of the file. Whoever's kicking it, so Chuck can always catch the ball on the full to get his best run on. And I went through and guys had left foot steps. So we're, or, you know, Jason Croker had that, you know, the left-hand offload. So I needed to support him on the right-hand side and all of these different things. And I just mm. went through and I went around and I told all my teammates, and I said, this is what I'm going to do for you. This is what I'm going to do for you. Mm. And then all of us, sudden it turned it, like things just not out of me going I want you to do this for me I want you to no 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 this is what I'm going to do for you and then all of a sudden this appreciation for being a part of a team and being connected and then all of a sudden people looking out for me and and things just sort of you know what this is what I can bring to the table not this isn't what I haven't got is this is what I have got and this is what I'm going to bring and, and things sort of turned for me. It wasn't until 2005 that I started to get a few run-on games. And then it was 2006 that I sort of, you know, pretty much played lock forward. Um, and all of a sudden, a guy that was I, was, I was one of the guys up until basically 2005, even 2006. I'm, I'm waiting for the team sheet to be read out, just going, oh, I hope I've got a spot on the bench this week. Wow. And, and, the, wow. and then all of a sudden, 2007... Um, I get named as captain on the side, Simon Wolford, Jason Croker, Jason Smith, Clint Shikoski, Luke DeVico, these sort of guys actually moved on. I mean, lost a huge amount of experience. And, um, 
Yeah, I, I was all of a sudden from a guy that had only just really played one full season in a run on side to being given captain of the side. Think of the guys that had come before me, you know, guys like Nana Grant, Dean Lance and Laurie Daly, Ricky Stewart, Mal Meninga, all of these guys on the wolf before me. And then I've got the captaincy. I'm just, I'm absolutely blown away. And um, we didn't have the, the greatest um, sort of roster there to start off, but we all worked hard. We all ripped in. And in 2008, um, you know, we had a really, really good season. And yeah, to, to get the, the Dally M Awards there was, was really great, but it's probably one of the most proudest, not not for those achievements. But I think, you know, we didn't win a premiership. And I, my, my whole time, my whole you know, focus while I was playing at the Raiders was to win a premiership. Yeah, that's that's all it was to do. I didn't get to do that. But I know that when we talk about, well, what is success? It's about you knowing that you've given absolutely mm-hmm. everything you've could to become the best you could be. Mm-hmm. In that season, as a group, we did that. We, we ripped in. We, we didn't have too many. It was basically, if you were fit and healthy and you could take the field, you got a jersey because we were that low on numbers. Wow. Um, we had a huge amount of off-field dramas. But when we coaches that were even packed up, he was moving to the club the next year. He, he They wanted to re-sign him, but he moved away. And then all of a sudden, we just kept ripping in. And, you know, we didn't get you know, a couple of weeks into the finals, but we didn't get there. But... Um, I remember looking back on that and really, really proud of of the players that I played alongside because, you know, we were successful that year. You know, you've mentioned so much there, but can I just touch on, because really when you think about success, I think a lot of people all too often they think to be successful is they've got to make themselves the object of their success. You Mm. know, it's it's all about them and their journey and their... um, But really what what you've said is when you have an outward focus... And it takes a secure person to, to, to do that. I've got to say, when you have an outward focus and say, how can I help and do things differently and help improve someone else's job, career, it's funny how the path for you gets wider. And the and it's it's just an amazing principle. Um, and, and really, I've, I've, I think I, I, I've got to say, like, I've, that's rare in, in league where, I mean, that's why you are, you were known as, not only an exceptional player on a, on your own right, but also as the team player, as a, as a guy that was, because really, if you're helping other people get more su- successful in their field, in a, in a, in a sense, you will your 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 career, your game will improve if you're making people around you better. But it it takes a decision to take your eyes off yourself and say, you know, and that's 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 an amazing thing, and that's why I mean that's that's why you left the legacy. At the at the club, and that and and I think you know obviously to be rewarded with the Dunningham Captain of the Year was was so so fitting. I'd love to just to, um, for the interest of time just to move on to some of the the other um, uh, things you've you've done, programs you've created. Um, once again, with an outward focus, you created the rehabilitation program that that's used in Canberra's youth and adult jails, the Aspire program. Can you can you tell us a bit more about that? I attended the church. Um, it was it was called Belconnell Baptist Church. It's now called Mosaic Church. Um, for probably about oh, I think it's been about sixteen years now. And the youth pastor uh, at the time, so I retired in twenty eleven. And just at the end of twenty eleven, they asked me to um, come in, and they were doing a youth ministry in the, the juvenile justice centre. And they, they asked if I would come in and share a bit of my story. And I said no problems. And I went into the juvenile um, centre um, and. 
I think it was about 25 kids in there at the time, and I went in to share my little testimony, and only two kids turned up. And I went, oh, jeez, it doesn't take long for you to be retired, and they've all forgot about it. It's not bad what's going on here. But when I was leaving, one of the um, the workers there actually said, he said, yeah, you've got a little story, you know. He said, if you had reports on footies in, you would have every one of these kids. He loved putting in here, you know. Mm. Anyway, I said to him, I said, I'll be back. And I come back in and I brought in some footies and I just started using footies, using parables basically, but using rugby league as that guide to be able to share a message, whether it was about, you know, passing on your troubles to other people when we do passing drills. Um, it was about the ripple effect and doing doing these activities where, you know, we do a, like almost like a backline passing movement where you just see how all your behaviours and actions have this flow, this ripple effect and how you're in control because you've got the footy in your hands. And I started to share this and I just loved it. And they said, can you put together a bit of a program? And then I put together a... Um, an eight-week program, and it just went so, so well. Um, one of the workers that was in there took up a role at a high school. I went to a high school um, and started the program in there as well. And then another couple of people from the Canberra community come and watch one of the sessions, and they work for two organisations within Canberra of people in need, and then all of a sudden it spread there. Um, I was doing some work with the great David Peachy. I'm doing some work in and around some communities around prevention of violence, and I wanted to start something up here in Canberra because there was nothing here, so I created a little program around um, the prevention of domestic violence, but I was using footy again. Half the program was actually on the footy field. The NRL had got some funding, and they came down and watched one of the sessions, and they said, you know what, can you bring it across? Can we create something? Can you help us create something? And created that and um, the Voice Against Violence program, and then the Voice Against Violence program started across... Um, Australia, and now we do that in Papua New Guinea, Fiji, Tonga, New Zealand, um, and so it just it just created, but it was all um, out of going in and and saying yes and being part of my church and for the church, you know, you know, reaching out to me and you know, I, I believe that God had His DNA all over everything that I've done in my life, but in mm. particular, you know, this this little opportunity to go in there. Because I, I wasn't setting stone of what I actually wanted to do post footy. I actually thought that I might go back into some coaching or strength and conditioning because I really love that element of footy. Mm. And I had done my courses and creds to be able to do that. But I just wanted to have 12 months, even two years, just to let a bit of water under the bridge go. Look, a bit of distance between the current players and myself. I, I felt um, um, a little bit uncomfortable when the club offered me a role there. Um, I thought it's too, we're too much of mates at the moment. I need to sort of have that separation. And um, so I decided to have a little bit of time and then all of a sudden the door was open and, and I went in there and, and um, yeah, I just, I just laid my heart out there and it, it just, it just went from there. It just, um, a little seed was sown and, and off it went. Isn't it funny? Um, sometimes, you know, we have these ideas and thoughts and plans and, and the greatest thing we can do is really what you've done is open yourself up to the greater plan and 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 try and work in with God and see what He's trying to do on this earth and with us, as distinct from telling Him, well, 
this is what I this is what I want to do, and this is where I feel I need to. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's the first instinct of all of us. You know what I mean? Pretty much is to say, well, he, he, you know, instead of just going, hey, there's a grander plan here, um, and, and tell tell us a bit about how that connection was made and developed with with your faith, because I, I remember when I was speaking to a couple of players, and they. They said, make sure you speak to Alan, Alan Tung. He's a great person of faith. And I actually didn't know um, when we were playing, by the way, you were hitting me that um, that you would <laughs> probably say the same for me. But uh, you, yeah. you were like a cement truck. You hit pretty hard. So, But tell us a bit about that connection and, and how that was developed. So it was when I mentioned my mum, the importance of um, you know my family and my mum in particular in my life. But, um, you know, right back from that little Anglican church on the corner, um, that my great grandfather that I didn't really get to know, um, you know, was a part of building that church um, back in the day, uh, was instilled through, you know, just going to Sunday school and just witnessing my mum and dad doing what they do. And yeah, there were times where we sat around and mum often, all the time, in particular, she loved to be able to open it up and do a little study with us. And she would always pray for us at every drop of the hat that she could. But I think the greatest thing for me um, was just seeing what a witness my mum was and the way that she went about her business. And she was she was so different to anybody else that, that I um, have seen, not because she was just my mother, but the way she went about her business. And, um, you know, as my you know faith grew deeper and greater knowledge and understanding, I've always just had, I've always just had that belief that I have been created. I have been created. And, um, yeah, I, I think another great thing about moving away, and, and, you know, this is why God sent me maybe down to Canberra is, you know, I didn't have anybody down here um, and I didn't have family to completely um, lean on is that that's when it really tested me, I think. That's when it was really like, okay, you've had this upbringing, you've had this guidance here, I'm not going to leave you, but this is this is you, this is your time. And I think then starting to, you know, to find your, a new church family and to, to grow there and, and then to almost, for me, like it went quieter too, like I've, I fell away a bit, not not as saying that I didn't, um, I completely lost my faith. It was, I just wasn't regularly attending church or a small group and I, I sort of become a little bit distant there and then to come back into it um, and then, you know, to my wife and to grow in that sort of sense. It's been, yeah, it's been a real um, journey there, but it's just, um, you know, I think now it's, um, Wisdom, um, getting a little bit wiser, I suppose, but just that importance of you know staying connected to church and, and in particular staying connected to a small group has been something that I think has been you know the keys. If I could give anybody any encouragement, is absolutely stay connected to your church family. But the importance of a small group where you can dig deeper and be more open, and um, you know to hear as well for me to learn. I in my little small group, I I'm, I'm probably the one that speaks the least, but is I, I take so much out of it mm. and so you know that that's been a really important part in my journey that's a great it's a great um you know encouragement because when when you look at the the gospels and and when in the last supper where jesus was eating and what they would call fellowship um mm. uh and he said this is my body this is th- th- what we're doing right now is mm. my, is the is the body is is it is church it is the way 
I flow through uh, the you know you onto other people because a lot of people they would try and I, can, I think fall into the trap of trying to uh, run this long distance race which is which is faith um, by themselves but you need people around you to to encourage you sometimes you need people around you to inspire you sometimes you need them to keep you accountable in with certain weaknesses. And it is, in many ways, it is like a footy team, isn't it? Because you can't. If you imagine, if you were just training by yourself, you would never get the results unless you're in that team environment and the synergy of it. And and I guess on this level, to to it, it's it's to bear your soul a little bit as well is it's a powerful thing because we are living in a in an age where suicide rates really high and and people are carrying burdens. And and part of the the joy of being and the freedom of being in those type uh, church as well as those connect groups is to actually you know share some of that burden and we carry it with each other and even just admitting what you're going through is sometimes just a huge huge relief. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, the Bible is built off the game of rugby or rugby league's built off the game of Bible. You need a great leader and you need 12 disciples to follow that leader on the field. So I think rugby league and the <laughs> final <laughs> oh, is all perfect. together. So, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know. Uh, I'd never put that together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, look, that's a great way to, uh, that's a great way to finish. And, uh, look, oh, mate, I really appreciate your time and uh, – you know, there's so much more we could have talked about being Australian of the Year and so forth, but we've covered some some such great ground. And um, I really thank you for your openness and for the the, the leadership that you've shown, um, and particularly post footy. Always always grateful for the work you're doing in the community and and the, and the husband and the the family man that you are. And mate, I, yeah, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute joy to, to 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 chat with you and and let's stay in touch, mate. I'm not down in uh, Canberra too often, but but uh, when I'm out there, do you drink coffee? Are you a coffee man? Uh, I, I certainly do, oh. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> you all right, Ben? Well, then that's all no, right. We can, meet. we can meet then because if you're not, if uh, you're not in your coffee, mate, it's never going to happen. I'm not coming. But anyhow, that's all right. <laughs> uh, no, no, you know, a big, big thank you, um, you know, for me for, for being able to share my story, but, you know, also for, for what you do. But I know right throughout my playing days, um, you know, we talk about letting your light shine. You were somebody that was really confident and open right throughout. And you've uh, you really, you know, let a path for, for many others to be more open and it's one of the great things about our game. I, I see more and more players come out now, and I'm sure throughout our time there were guys that did have faith, but they probably weren't you know, confident enough um, to be able to share that. Um, and I know each time in, in my career I was like that too, but I know that you were certainly one that uh, you know really paved the way for a lot of Christian brothers and, and sisters out there to share their stories. So thank you for what you do. Oh, thanks, Tony. It's... It, it echoes really what I often say about myself that there should be more people like me out there. Which I'm joking. I'm joking. But, mate, that's very, very kind. Of you. I've got to learn to receive a comp- compliment. I really yeah, do. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Thanks all. Uh, thank you everyone for listening as well. Hey, if you missed if you missed uh, tonight's chat, you can always next Sunday morning five thirty to seven on. SEN 1170, of course, you can listen. But also uh, 2CH Live, digital, you can can check that out or download the SEN app and go to catch up. There's all our great interviews there. We've had some wonderful ones. I mentioned Brad Thorne, 
That's Steve Ward, Justin Langer, Margaret Court. So many great ones, and this one including. Thanks again, Alan Tung, and thanks again, everyone else, for listening. I'm Jason Stevens. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only. Hope you have a great week.